Well, great. Um, thank you, everyone, for uh, listening in to the very first episode of the Newfangled Lawyer podcast. Um, this has been a passion project of mine of bringing uh, real, authentic attorney stories to humanize the attorney experience um, to the masses. So I have the pleasure and great joy of having uh, my good friend, Sarah, join us. And so I'm going to have Sarah just give a brief uh, introduction of who she is and what makes her tick. So the floor is yours, Sarah. Okay. Yeah, no pressure. No, you know, just summate, summate your whole life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, my name is Sarah Susie Iberg. I am a solo social security disability attorney, uh, firm owner here in the Twin Cities. Um, I have... Um, four children. I love living in Minnesota and being outside all the time. And I think that Patrick and I have really bonded over our mutual love for um, law firm technology as well as attorney well-being. Amen to that. And can you kind of talk about your journey of becoming an attorney? Uh, your dad's an attorney. Yes. And, you know, uh, whether or not that informed kind of that path for you and how you show up day to day. Yeah, it absolutely did. I, and there was never any like assumption that I'd go to law school or pressure. Um, I, I ended up going to the same college my dad went to also, and there was no, um, he was like, don't you want to apply to these places and let's go tour Carleton. And it just was always St. Thomas. I'm kind of a, um, I don't know. I'm kind of like a homebody. Like I like, I like to be in places that like I enjoy and like have memories at. And my dad mm. used to take me on campus at St. Thomas all the time when I was a kid. And that's where he went to law school. Um, not knowing anybody came up here from like the suburbs of Chicago and um, his um, principal at his school had told him, well, maybe you should try junior college for a couple of years first and then see. And my dad was like, no, fuck that. I'm going to go play at this university, <laughs> you know, have this great time. So I really kind of fell in love with that, but it was the same thing with lawyering. Like I just watched him. I watched the work that he did for people and how, um, how grateful people were all the time and appreciative and what, a huge kind of emotional impact he could have in people's lives. Um, he is a retired personal injury attorney and um, owned his own firm. I think within like the first 10 years of practice, started his own firm and was kind of his own boss from there on out. And he had various partners and different conformities over the years. But um, that I didn't. I didn't think that in particular would be my path, but when I was a kid, like I, um, I loved horses. So I was going to be like a horse farmer and like a, a singer songwriter and a fashion designer and a lawyer. And it was like always, and, and, and a lawyer and the, and a lawyer thing was the thing that never, never really dropped off. I realized my talents lay, lay elsewhere, not, not a great drawer or, um, accomplished singer. And so, um, I ended up going uh, uh, to law school right, right after college, which I don't recommend. It always seemed to me that the people who had gotten out and gotten some like real life experience and had like 
other things to talk about or other experiences other than just being yeah. a really good student. Like I went, you know, high school and um, college and then law school. And I got to law school and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm not like, I, and I didn't have like the. The multitude of uh, alternative experiences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So with people uh, who had been out yeah. and had like a real job, they just did better. Real, um, define, I mean, but real. I mean, right. like I, t I took a couple years off in between undergrad and law school and I was uh, deliver furniture. Uh, mm -hmm. I was a bouncer at a bar in Wrigleyville. Yeah. And then I was an admission counselor. I mean, talk <laughs> about it. I mean, literally in a two year period of time. That's a lot that's, of jobs. That's, and, and they were um, all very different and quite frankly inform, you know, kind of how I am as an attorney. Mm -hmm. was those experiences it's very it's very humbling mm -hmm. and, and it's very it's very real in those in in those senses and so you know finding like real job um like when yeah. we when i grow up um so so your path to being an attorney um is just something you kind of always knew you're going to do yeah, well, and I think it was accessible to me. This is something I realized um, a lot later was that I never, like, it was accessible to me because I was watching someone do it. So I could see how it worked. And it was not an intimidating, unknown thing that only this, like, elite group of people can do. It was just, like, real life. And the way that my dad um, practiced and the way that um, he always wanted to was, um, you know, a lot along the lines of, like, jerry spence and being like a man of the people like that really meant a lot to him and he was very successful but you didn't he didn't act like one of those you know like pinstripe you know pit. when i was when i was clerking for a judge in anoka county this pi attorney came in and he had this like black pinstripe um thing and he's got this like um lime green shirt and like a pinky ring like i'm not kidding you know, uh, gold chain a gold chain yes yeah. and he just my dad's vibe was like really down to earth and to be like he wanted his clients to like feel like you know like he was the, he was he was the authentic human attorney before it was cool yes yes and that he used to tell me too and that was something that i think came from spence and it came from an angle of like this is how you reach a jury but he kind of took it and just made it like this is how i just reach people he would you know he would tell like probably some of the jokes he would tell are like not like you could don't tell those now politically correct yeah. yeah yeah and he loved that he loved telling jokes to people he loved like made people a little bit uncomfortable but he'd also tell the really dumb dad jokes too well, you know but like he he really wanted to be that and he would tell me that we and other like law students i went to school with like we gotta lead with our humanity first because um, you know, ultimately like we're humans and for him and for Jerry Spence, it was all about like trial work and like how to, how to reach the jury, how to tell this story in a way that gets them on your side and wins you this case. And, um, um, but he kind of, you know, he, that was how he operated in, in real life too. And I think some people can kind of put that on for a jury or for a trial, but to sure. be that authentic, all the time, I think is, um, I think it's a real challenge for some people. Yeah, no, it's, it's the performative aspect mm -hmm. of yeah. uh, being a, a human to fit in, yeah. to, to belong, yeah. to feel like you're part of the group. And it seems like, 
your dad just figured out, unlocked that being himself was his greatest greatest gift. So, I mean, in your in your practice or in your day to day life, what do you think it means to be an authentic attorney, the human attorney? Yeah, you know, I think it's um, I think it's something that is hard to do right out of the gate. Um, but I think I kind of learned at a younger age that like I I just didn't I had the I had this this real need for people to like me, mm. you know, like into my 30s, like it was really hard. But I also have always had this warring kind of thing, like, well, but I don't I I can't be fake. I just I I lack the ability. I can be like polite and kind to people, <laughs> and I can be real civil even if I'm upset, but like I cannot pretend like it i think that's exhausting and so like putting on a different persona or like trying to like curate things in a way to always or be thinking about what people are thinking all the time that to me was really um really exhausting (laughs) and so like i that was that's just kind of that it's you should just be able to just exist right and like we just had a discussion in there's this this um, women firm owner Facebook group. Uh, we just had a discussion. Um, this this woman said, "Let me see all your girl law websites because I'm I'm feeling really frustrated. I'm trying to design my website, whatever." And this um, you know a bunch of people were putting links in, and then this lady said, "Well." Um, I don't think you should do anything like girl law. I think you should like make sure it's polished and professional and sharp and your clients will care about that. Da, 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 da. And I was like, I don't think we should equate femininity and like girly mm. things and like frilly stuff mm. with not being professional because that's made up like that. Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, so, like, <laughs> so, so, so a couple things there to unpack. When did you, when did you flip the switch? Was there like a life event or like an aha moment where you're just oh. like, I don't I don't care anymore, and I'm gonna go from kind of trying to fit in and appease this uh, these external forces mm-hmm. to just saying like uh, enough of that. I'm gonna rock pink hair and have tattoos and pierce my nose and rebel yeah. at in your 30s. I think yeah. So so I think it started when I was in like. I remember very clearly like sixth, seventh grade. It like, it, but it used to really torture me. Like I was always myself, but like it would just all oh, hurt my little baby feelings that people didn't like me. Mm. But like I said, like I couldn't put on this facade. And that's the time that you try on different personalities, right? When you're sure. in like middle school, high school, you're trying to figure it out. So then by the time I got to college, I was more of like a, like it was like fake it till you make it. Like I just pretended mm. like I didn't care for a long time. And then when I got to college air personally, it was fine. I felt, I felt fine being myself and like take it or leave it kind of attitude about it. Um, But, but what came up more was like sort of the systemic expectations um, for women and the um, societal things that become internalized that you have to kind of battle on your own. So like I still participated in a lot of the stuff that I, you know, like, um, uh, especially like in law school and and being a young woman, like you have to um, present in a way like to be super competent and and super reasoned and not, you know, and like I'm thinking about headlines and what your hair looks like and things like that. 
Um, and and it's it was like a, it's like a it's like a whole added layer of uh, what it means to be professional. Yes. Yeah, it is on mm. top of it. Like you're no longer taken seriously for like you might be taken less seriously for what's coming out of your mouth based on how you look. And and so, you know, I tried to live within the confines of that for a while and then I became a mother and that will mess up your whole identity. Right. And like you really lose yourself and to try and be sure. a mother and a professional and like a woman and like all of a sudden like it was like that like kind of like slow boil like i'm just like what this is such bullshit. <laughs> like it's ridiculous the yeah. amount of extra things that i have to think about or be worried about the um you know social media mommy wars that's like oh i had a thought like my youngest is now he'll be seven when he was going into preschool I was looking at all these options and and i found this one and it was this gymnastics school that also had a preschool and i was like well that's cool and there's a real focus on moving your bodies which is important to me and i think is is um underplayed right certainly in our school systems is not enough mm. actual play. body movement just, and, yes, play. and play. just play <laughs> right. exactly yeah. but as i was mm. like seeing this thing that really resonated like with my values at the same time it was like well what if it's not academically rigorous enough and then i was like oh my god he's three it'll be okay he needs to just like learn how to stand in line in preschool and recognize his own name and he's ready for kindergarten you know like it's not that serious and so um we put him in the in that gymnastics free school and he did great and he does great you know in kindergarten and you know what he's a really nice friend that helps all of the other students in class and like that is more important to me than whether he's reading at four you know well, yeah. i mean it's the the social emotional pieces yes so um, then when the pandemic hit and then and then it was like 2020 i was like Fuck that! I have no, I have no energy yeah. or or resiliency left yeah. for anything that doesn't serve me. So mm. the pandemic came, like the undercut to the hair came, the more like bolder colors. This is a haircut I always thought was so cool and always really wanted to do, but I didn't think yeah. would look good on me because um, my my hair is so fine. And I thought you could just you'd be able to see my scalp; it would look terrible. And that's not true at all. And like I never would have known if um, I hadn't tried to do it and seen it what's the reaction been oh my god everybody loves it yeah. i get so many compliments from strangers i get a lot about the hair color too but it's not even i don't think it's even how it looks it's just that i how love it, make it you feel so how does it make you yeah. how does it make you I feel feel so happy and feel so like confident and comfortable that it just like that just pours over to people and like i am a person i have a lot of charisma I've been told, you know, and that can big, be big, big, big personality. Yeah. And that can be kind of magnetic. And so I think um, there is some of that piece of it, but I really think it's that I just, I feel like kind of at home in this particular style. And then I've always been a person who will like, I don't know, I kind of want to see what that looks like. So I'll try it, you know, like I, mm. I, my, my mom and my sisters are always like, Oh, you always make everything look cute. And I'm like, it's just cause I like it, you know, <laughs> and when I'm wearing it, it makes me feel happy. I'm not afraid to take a risk that way. And, but, but I take, I have taken a lot less risk with like my own personal appearance for a long time because I thought that that's what I had to do in order to make it, you know? And so in terms of risks, I, I love the conversation around healthy risk. Um, you know, what are some 
other healthy risks that you think you've taken that have paid off for you? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think like hair is a big deal for women. And so like the stakes are like, if you shave part of your head, like it's going to take a while before you can get that back. And so that, that felt like a healthy risk. I think for me, um, uh, signing up for a triathlon this fall, um, was That'd be a awesome. healthy risk. Yeah. Cause I've where, never, where are you I, doing that? You I doing? won't drown. I know that I can swim yeah. yeah. and I can ride a bike without falling over, but like, I don't have a lot of skill in those areas. And so pushing my, I also hate, um, failing mm. and not being good at stuff. And so for me to try, like kind of put myself out there and try and do this thing, I was excited about the challenge. I am excited about the challenge of it, but it's more about like being uncomfortable. I think with that, um, it sounds kind of, I, I mean, I guess it's not dumb. It sounds kind of dumb that like, oh, signing up for a race is like a healthy risk, but like to my ego. But, is, but, but for a lot, but for a lot of people, we avoid, we avoid failure so much that mm -hmm. then we don't get to succeed in a way mm -hmm. that is meaningful to us. Yeah. Um, and particularly for attorneys, right? Like we, be, we become so risk averse. We become so outcome determinative. Mm -hmm. And how we apply that then to our own lives becomes suffocating, becomes yes. becomes stifling. We end up in a very fixed mindset with a very narrow vision. Mm -hmm. um, and so what, what other things you're exploring? Um, I, well, like you mentioned, I got my nose pierced, um, which like, again, not yeah. that risky to some people, but it's, it's an anomaly. I would say like facial. And what kind of, no, what kind of nose piercing? It's, a, people, it's a septum like, nose piercing, yeah, which is different, people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lots, lots of, I was looking around. Yeah. I was looking around one day and right. I noticed like, I think all these women around me have like a nose piercing, like the little stud, you know? Yeah. Um, but I always thought that these septum piercings looked really cool. And I always like wanted to like be that lady. And I was like, well, why don't I be well, that? You are, you are that lady. Yeah. Yes. It turns out. And I wear like, I wear these, I have these really long fingernails that are super impractical and otherwise like that kind of, it almost feels like vanity to me to have something um, that like, but that's, but it's silly because it's not like a septum piercing is like serving a function for me either. <laughs> but this is one of those things that I but think it is, but it is to a certain extent. Yes. I well, mean, I think it makes you feel most like you. It does. So it even, does. If not, even if it's not a, a functional in the terms of like, uh, you know, a practical sense. Yes. You seem very practical in a lot of yes. ways. Do you have yes. to compete between like this, this dreamer mind? Mm -hmm. and like the practical mind yes because i like i the practicality and it keeps me grounded which is a good thing but that's the kind of thing that like i don't want to do something it goes back to the failure the, that driving need to be competent right which mm -hmm. i unlocked with my therapist which anybody listening who doesn't go to a therapist you should go because it's great yes, 100%. and i had no idea that i have this core need to be competent which is why I hate failing. It's why um, I feel so stressed all the time to make sure that I'm keeping everything going, why I feel like I should keep everything going instead of letting some things go and why I feel like I have to, you know? And like, as soon as I knew that, that was, oh my God, that was crazy. But like, so that's the practical side of me is 
Like I dream and want to do all these things, but I'm not going to start it unless I think I can do it, you know? Mm. And I like to win. And so like, I'm not going to do it unless I think I'm going to, you know, um, it's, it's, it's that, uh, you know, I just got done reading Susan Cain's book called bittersweet. And she oh. talks about it in how in American culture, we're all about, uh, the winners and losers. Yes. You either successful or you're a loser. And, and, you know, and you can yeah. see that play out, right? No one wants to be a loser. Right. 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 Um, and so, you know, losing, um, requires some amount of failure. Yeah. You're almost ashamed. You're almost ashamed to fail. I mean, I was thinking about it in terms of like, um, sports prospects going pro mm -hmm. man. I mean, if you go to ESPN, basically now is just a bunch of criticizing mm -hmm. uh, and a bunch of ranking. That's it. Mm -hmm. um, it's less about the story of, you know, overcoming tragedy or overcoming mm -hmm. failure, but that's the human condition. Right. Um, it is going through those things. So, I mean, in your own journey on this, um, what what's next? What are some other things that you're like, hey, this is the thing I've wanted to do my whole life. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like working towards it. I'm like iterating towards it. Yeah. Um, I am going to get another tattoo next week. <laughs> <laughs> what are you getting? What are you, tell, like, tell us about your tattoo story. It's going to be um, a, a crescent moon with like, um, there's like these, like, it's like a moon silhouette with like the, um, it'll be like kind of forest and like almost like a lake scene at night kind of thing. Mm. And then the like sky piece will be like Aurora Borealis colors. And I'm really very, mi very Minnesota. Yes. Yes. That's kind of, so, you know, lots of, lots of people, lots of our um, fellow Minnesotans out there have like, just like straight the state tattooed on their body. And I don't know what it is about living here. I know lots of people do that. Well, like it's a cool that. looking state. I mean, it's yeah. not a square. Yeah, you know? yeah it I mean, doesn't look, you know, it doesn't look it's like not boring. A, it's not a yeah. rectangle in North Dakota. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I I I don't know. I I have lived here my whole life. It um being up north, that kind of thing is really resonating, really resonates with me. And then also just like the um kind of the moon cycle, that kind of thing, and being outside. It's all like a big piece mm -hmm. of um kind of my mentality my spirituality things that make me feel like i'm in the right spot and so it was kind of a way to combine all of those and so and so with the tattoos mm -hmm. um how do you kind of come up with what you're gonna get so and, I use, and what does it mean to you you know the yeah, 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 yeah. The, so the I, display right you know some people <laughs> it's another vanity could be another yes. vanity piece it is it is this this feels like it's almost like you know i might as well like tattoo my core values because that's kind of how <laughs> it feels that's like what that's what i'm drawn to and know a lot mm. of people especially people that get a lot of tattoos like silly ones or they like to just like they just want that or they have like a fandom or something like that and like i think anybody's reason first of all it doesn't matter why you want to get a tattoo like it just matters mm. that you like it you know it's your body but um i got my first tattoo when i was like 20 years old and it um was this huge flower like on my hip and with um with a bumblebee because um bumblebees like it's that aerodynamically shouldn't be able to fly but they do it anyway sure. kind of thing so that was meaningful to me and it was my favorite flower and so that's kind of how i justified it but i spent a lot of time i mean it 
when you're 18, two years feels like a really long time that's, to think about something. It's all relative. It's all yeah. relative. Yeah. Not so two years, like, oh my gosh, that happened in a blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, at the time it like felt like a really long time to um, decide something. But then I went like, what is it? Almost 12 years, longer than that, like 15 years before I got another tattoo, which was this quote um, on the inside of my right arm, which says, fight for the things you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you with a little nice little descent collar underneath it. And that was kind of an homage to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's, you know, for a, a a white female attorney is kind of like the like epitome, right? And this was um, I got this done. It was after she had died, but there were, um, you know, she just has been kind of a meaningful character, someone who I admired greatly for the things that she did do and the things that she cared about and the things she endured. Like I really feel like we owe it to. Um, Esther Tomjanovich and um, uh, Rosalie Wall are a couple of Minnesota um, female attorney turned judges that like really, um, really um, I admire a lot because it, like I was saying at the very beginning, which I never actually closed out, it was it was easy easier for me, even though I think of, um, you know, my gender certainly as being a, a disadvantage, at least at the beginning of uh, my career and going through law school. I think there's a lot that um, a lot of, you know, work we still need to do um, for women in our uh, profession. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. What do you think it means to be a modern female attorney? And, and you know, being a mom attorney yeah. and, you know, what is it that needs to change or happen to support kind of the, the, the broader sense of what it means to be an attorney? Yeah. I like think you, you can't deny your otherness other mm -hmm. than your role as being an attorney. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you ask in any room of attorneys now, who's been mistaken for like court porter or paralegal in the courtroom when they're there for their own case. And it's women and, you know, people of color uh, or others that have gotten that question. And it's not, you know, it's not the men in the room, um, certainly not the white men. And like, that's still a thing, you know, or, um, you know, dealing with um, people consistently underestimating you um if you are passionate about something this happened to me actually really recently um in the last uh, couple years a criticism that has been leveled at me for my work in the bar association is that i am too passionate and not uh not well reasoned enough and that came from you know i i'm not gonna ascribe yeah. not well, gonna ascribe I, motivations to it but it's really frustrating yeah. to me because yeah. I am, it turns out I am passionate. It's not a detraction. I am an effective uh, leader because of that passion. And I get people to come along with me. And the, um, you know, there was criticism of um, how I, how effective I was, I think is where that came from. Um, do you think, do you think that has to do with that um, traditionally, historically, you know, kind of the archetype attorney would be someone who's not caring, not compassionate, cold, um, austere, and, and, and countering that with, you know, uh, being the very caring 
compassionate, empathetic attorney is almost seen as a weakness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think that's a piece of it. I think that, I think gender is a big piece of it because I think that I don't think I would get that same, they wouldn't use that same word to describe me if I were not a woman. No, you'd be zealous. You'd be zealous. Yeah. Yeah. I would be. Which is even, um, a part of you know professional responsibility representing yeah. your client with, with zeal that just this just came up someone just asked me with how i structure my work week if yeah you can still have zeal and not work all the time or, yeah. or have set boundaries yeah um, so how, how do you delineate you know between your kind of professional um existence and your personal existence or do they kind of bleed into each other i they i think they definitely um bleed into each other a ton and it i especially because i work from home you know like i have a virtual law office so i'm this is where i do my work and so my kids are seeing me do my work and they're um they're so quiet in the car when i'm on a phone conference like it's unbelievable isn't it amazing yeah they have like, it was really they have like a they have like a reverence yeah to um what you're doing Yes. You know, and they, and they like understand it to some degree, yeah. even if you don't explain it to them. Yes. And when I was a kid, I would go to my dad or with, with my dad to work all the time. Like he used to go, get breakfast every morning at like six 30 in the morning at this same restaurant in Anoka downtown where we had lunch. Sure, and sure. you go to the, he had this big corner booth. He would just take up himself and he would have his staff like bring files to him and he would just kind of set up shop there. <laughs> and when I was a kid, I would go, and he would work and I would sleep on the booth like because it was super early. And then when it was time for me to go to school, like I would wake up and like on the booth and have breakfast with him. And then he would take me to school, you know, just as like a way to hang out. And um, so like it's all it's it, it's all in mess. He was ahead of his time. He really was. Yeah, he did. He did stuff <laughs> exactly how he wanted to. <laughs> which is which is which is must have been. I mean, that's still counterculture now. Yeah. Yeah, imagine, imagine then it was probably extremely counterculture. Mm -hmm. He's even spending time with this kid at breakfast. Granted, right. you're sleeping, but that's like, you know, even now is becoming more, uh, I guess, acceptable yeah. um, than it was before. Um, it's almost like uh, a pride point. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like I, I get to, I have the opportunity to, with the modern way of practicing law, to be there for my kids yes yeah on tuesday i didn't have i've like i said i think before we started recording i've had i have a hearing every day this week and those are they can be really taxing just like mentally and emotionally to have that much to prepare for and whatever so the, the rest of my day ends up being a little light and tuesday after my hearing in the afternoon um, I didn't have any more phone conferences. And so I took my boys to like the splash pad, their sisters at mm. camp this week. Um, and I just like, we sat in the sun and they splashed with the splash pad and I read a book while they were doing that. And that's, it was like 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, I have a, my best friend is a pharmacist and um, she has a friend who's a pharmacist too. And um, like I, I took a Friday and went to the zoo not that long ago <laughs> to take my kids to the zoo because yep. we hadn't done any like fun, summer outings really like that are around town and so we went to the zoo and saw the dinosaurs and um and llamas and everything and the bird show that's a big 
that's a big thing for my kids. And this gal, she always goes, oh, I just love your schedule, Sarah. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm my own boss. So yeah. like, <laughs> I'm the one who has to get all the work done. But yeah, I can fuck off on a Friday if I feel like it, you know, as long as nobody's waiting for me and I don't have court scheduled, you know, like that's, and that's important to me. I would never, you. I don't know how much money it would take in an annual salary for me to walk away from this much autonomy and control over things. I just, I cannot, I mean, I'm sure there's a number, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just do it. it. I, I mean, there's a number for anything. It's like someone on LinkedIn just asked a question. Um, would you, if someone paid you a million dollars, would you give up pizza? And, you know, it's, the answers are funny, you know, yeah. you might consider it. And so, you know, it's how, you know, how do you define success or fulfillment in your yes. career? Like, yeah. you know, in your life, how, how do you define, you know, fulfillment, success, you know, in the traditional sense, like you make this amount of money, this have amount of prestige, you win these right. kind of awards. Right. I mean, you were just a super lawyer, yeah. rising star yeah. super lawyer, you yeah. know? Yeah, but is that, mean, is that is that is that is that it? Is that the thing, or is it something else? No, I mean, I do. I can't like I like I said. I like to win. I got you know. I get various recognition, but a lot of that is like you know who you know and stuff. You know, you gotta like you gotta do the things. And like my good buddy Landon um, will nominate me for an award, and then sure. you know, like it's but but also if I wasn't out doing the stuff you know, they probably wouldn't because I wouldn't, you know, nobody would be thinking of me, I guess. But um, I, that's not, I like it. It's nice to get recognition. Sure. My kids um, think it's really cool. Like uh, they did like a bench and bar, like colleague corner one time. Mm -hmm. And um, Mina, Mina was like, my mom's in a magazine. She thought it was the coolest <laughs> thing ever, which I totally, you know, appreciate. And that was like a few years ago. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, so it seems like a shift. It seems like a shift. Like, yes, you, you used to, you used to care about kind of what other people, yeah. and it seems, it seems like now, like, it's almost like your kids. Oh yeah. I absolutely like, like it shifted, like maybe to like everyone, this amorphous, everyone yeah. to is like, you know, what example am I setting for my kids? Yeah. Well, and, and so when my kids wake up and like ask me to work out with them, like that makes me feel good. Cause I know that that was something that like, and I'm not like a crazy exercise person. I don't like work out four times a day and I'm not 115 pounds and really worried about that. But I, I really like to exercise because it makes me feel better and because it helps with my anxiety and I'm consistent enough that they pick up on that too. Mm -hmm. And one of our kind of family values is this idea of like, you know, um, working hard for things. Cause I think both Jason and I felt like, um, Jason's when, your husband. Jason's my husband. Yes. I know that. I know yes. that <laughs> when we were kids, like, I, like I said, I like to win. I like to be good at things and I wouldn't try hard at stuff that I wasn't good at right away, mm. you know? So I happened to be pretty talented and so I could be good at things. And so there was a lot for me to do, but the really hard stuff, like I wish I would have worked harder. And so that's what we mm. want, you know, for our kids is like, and it's hard to be disciplined. I was, I was talking to Roland on our way to wrestling practice on Tuesday. He was like, uh, yeah, but I'm not going to work hard. Like I don't, I don't like doing that. And I was like, well, yeah, buddy, <laughs> no one likes doing that, but 
you know, I was yeah. like, do you understand why you have to do this conditioning as part of wrestling practice? Mm. Your coach knows that if you can just last longer than that other guy, if you don't get as tired as him as fast, you can win by just that. And to me, that is all like so accessible. Like I can't, I, I'm not going to be an Olympian an Olympian. I'm just not, I'm not that athletically talented. I'm not fast. I like to run and I can do it. I can finish a 5k. I can finish a 10k, you know, like I can do those things and that, and, and if you do those things like consistently enough, um, that in itself is really fulfilling. I don't have to win the race to want to mm. enjoy that sport. You know, it's in the and, effort. It's in the effort. And it is in the, in the fact and, that you, did it and you showed up and it's fascinating there's a this um term called effortless perfectionism yeah yeah and you know i think it's one of those things particularly for uh people in the legal profession we want to look like we're the smartest dude in the room mm -hmm. but we've done the least amount of preparation like mm -hmm. i just rolled in here and i'm gonna do the best deposition ever like up uh, prep up uh, barely mm -hmm. it's either that or the flip side is another extreme like i worked so much i you won't even believe how much i work yeah i have I, the ability like i'll just torture myself because that's how how hard i work yeah yeah you know and so it's it's damned if you do damned if you don't almost absolutely yeah because um, you yeah you can't look like it, if it took if you spent a long time on it or if it took you a long time to get something then you're not as talented as the other yeah. people and you know <laughs> it's so dumb it's so dumb. like the things that we like spend our energy on it's silly you it, know it, it's almost what you said you said it's like this it's um it's in the act of showing up consistently. Mm -hmm. So talk about that some more. So like, I think that there is so much more to be gained by just doing that. And it's little things. And this is like, this is nothing revolutionary. It's something I came up with. It's the atomic okay. habits. It's that little incremental thing. And, and um, you know, like what could you do? Don't think about having to overhaul your whole life at one at one time because that's not sustainable and people don't like that what could you do to to make things one percent better you know that's a, a question we come up in like lawyer coaching all the time is like okay well you can't like overhaul all of this today and so like what could you do that would make it one percent better like this problem that you're trying to solve is there something you can do right now that would change that and to me like the kind of um when i can be consistent um it just it and and it doesn't matter if it's like okay i've like this morning routine i like to do if i can be consistent with that if i can consistently journal or do like a gratitude practice mm. if i can consistently um work out or consistently get time outside and like what does that do and it just it permeates so many other areas of my life the morning routine is one thing that like and i've been struggling so this is the other thing is like you know social media or you get this kind of reputation there are these people out there who think i exercise all the time i'm always up at <laughs> and i love doing that sure. i i have not been able to get up before like 6 30 in months and i can't unlock what it is that's preventing mm. me and it's something i've you know 
I know if I can, and when I start doing that, I am um, more organized. My house is cleaner because like I just, I don't know why that works because I don't clean more. It doesn't feel like it anyway. <laughs> I um, I do better with work. I'm better with my kids. Like I, I budget for our family. And then I also have more time to do like hobbies and things that I care about. I'll read, you know, I'll read like 20 minutes of a book in the morning because I have the time to, or I get my exercise out of the way right away. And then uh, everything else just flows from that. And it is so much better. It's, when, it's like, it's like you're in a, a flow state. Yes. Yeah. Everything is mm. feels easier. Everything feels easier. And I'll, I'll tell you, like, you know, we talked about like your kids kind of watching and, and, and that means a lot to me. Like I, it was one of the reasons that I started going to therapy last fall and a reason that I started taking meds for my anxiety this spring, because, um, I don't want my kids to remember mom is stressed out all the time, mm. you know, and I am stressed because, um, I take on a lot and cause I care about everything it drives my sure. husband crazy. He's like, you You're cannot, a sponge. not You're everything a sponge. can be a passion project. Like you have to pick some things. And mm. I'm like, let's, in some my mind, let, let's, let some things go. Yeah, I can't, I love all of the things, you know, yeah. like, although what yeah, what, yeah, what happens when all the things you, you love are on the same level playing field. Yeah. It's and really you, you got to let something go and you right. got to decide what is one of these things you are going to let go that each that you care about so much. Yes. Um, it feels like a death. It feels like yeah. a death. Oh, you have to mourn you know? it. Yeah. I have done, I have done that. I've axed some things out, like organizations that meant a lot to me that I put a lot of time in. I walked away from because mm -hmm. it wasn't, they were not meeting um the obligation I thought that they had to their members. And that was hard. That was really weird. And I've thought about it with, you know, the bar association stuff too. I've thought about walking away. Um I haven't yet because I care about it a lot and I, I really appreciate it. But um, um, I this the psychiatrist was like, well, maybe you can just like show up to one of your kids things and drop them off and you don't have to be the coach. You don't have to be the leader. You don't have to be involved. Mm -hmm. And, and in that moment, I was like, oh, but I love those. Those things fill my cup and those things um, make me feel happy. And mm -hmm. so that, so then I got an assistant for work so I can spend less time doing some of my work stuff so that well, I. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a trade-off. Like you have to, there's only a finite amount of energy. Yes. Oh, not, yeah. Not even time, but more so you only have so much energy to give as a, as a human and yes. to deny ourselves of that we are that's denying our humanity and we aren't robots we we would love yeah. to unlock more energy right so yeah. much is like you know can get you more energy more time more efficient yep. yeah more more organized well there's a there's a plateau to that an individual plateau and so you, you mentioned uh even like a gratitude journey. yeah what are you what are you grateful for Oh, so many things. Um, and some things that are just dumb things too, but like, I really, what are the dumb like, things? What do you think is um, dumb? I love that's, my that's, a self, that's a, that's a self-criticism. So, yes. um, um, I really like coffee mugs. I like, um, having a different one all the time. I like having, yes. Oh, I like that. It says newfangled. Do you want, okay. do you want, do you want one? Yes, I do. Okay. okay I'll I, get you. I got some for my firm that are boring, but it is like, it is a coffee cup that is, first of all, I really like my logo and like the purple, I use purple and gray. I love that color. And so like, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a very you. It's very you. Yeah. yeah. 
But this coffee cup is just like the perfect height and it feels so good in your hand. Like it is just, it is a very standard, nothing special kind of mug. I have other mugs that I really, really like. Like there's this one that says, um, fuck off, I'm knitting. It's purple, of course, also. And it's handmade and I just love it. And um, I have so many Halloween mugs. I actually, there's one that i have that says i'm a lawyer by day and a witch by night <laughs> i love that I, my joke is i'm a lawyer by day normal person by night <laughs> yes that's fantastic normal. yes um, um i and so, maybe you should say abnormal person by night right. that, maybe i, I had, need to change it maybe need to change i had it. this um, i had this i would take pictures like i do like a different mug selfie every morning when i was doing my morning routine and i really mm. liked that too and people loved it it was fun you know and there was this attorney who asked um one of his associates is a friend of mine and he's like is she really a witch <laughs> <laughs> yes. maybe hey maybe um, i maybe told her i was like yes tell him yes and let's I mean, see how you long like you you going. you spiritually connect most with being in nature. Yeah. See. So I mean that there it is right Ooh. there. I mean there yeah. there yeah, there's some well there's something too about the sacredness of uh, the mug. Mm -hmm. Even um, like teacups in like Japanese tea ceremonies. Um, there's some amount of like what you infuse. It's very personal, very yeah. intimate. Mm -hmm. um, and when it breaks, oh, you, you know, in in the Japanese culture, it's like a, it's like a loss. Yeah, it's yeah, you, you mourn know? it, and that's why they fix it. Yes, that, yeah. There's, there's almost, uh, you know, it's called kintsugi where they fix mm -hmm. the mugs, and those mugs are more valued, more revered than the perfect mm -hmm. mug. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. um, I love I love that you're grateful for your your mug collection um i'm also grateful for my children and my family and my health actually with the work that i do i get i'm very thankful um to have my health because it's i i just like the amount of i throw them through my back out driving the boat for the kids um whipping them through waves while they were tubing and i like was just turned and bounced strong because i'm <laughs> aging yeah. now and apparently right. that's a thing that happens but to all, it, to all of us it's oh inevitable. my god and like I had two, like two days where I couldn't function really well, and then like a couple more weeks where I had to kind of take it easy with like exercise and stuff. And it was so it was miserable, and I was grumpy. And like my clients live like that all the time. Or like I I told you too, I've had it's like day three of a headache migraine thing I got going on, and it sucks. And I've clients with you know um, 15, 16 migraine days a month. You know, like I just. I hate that that is life for them. So I am very grateful for that and very grateful, honestly, for the health of my children. I have um, a friend of our family who just lost their daughter who had, you know, had um, was kind of medically fragile, had a lot of um, complications from birth. And I just even now to think about it, like and, you know, we're they're family friends. We haven't like been close in many years since we were kids. But like I like my body mourns that I can feel it in my chest just mm. thinking about that. So I, I don't, I don't know how, um, I don't know how parents who've gone through that kind of loss, like go on because I don't, mm. I cannot see a way that I could do that. So it's, uh, some consider rightfully. So it's the most sorrowful, uh, experience that you can go through yeah. as a parent in the loss of a child because it creates, just such a longing 
right? And and it's such a loss because you you don't perceive it or don't want to think about it having ended. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, in the work that we do as attorneys, right? Particularly the areas of practice that you and I do, mm-hmm. where you're dealing with people that are in mourning, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going through the crappiest thing they've ever gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, you give a lot. Yes. Right. And so um, it seems like you've kind of struck a good balance of, you know, you have this practice, but you have your life. Mm-hmm. And, your, and your life allows you to, to heal or build up tools or build up resilience or grit or determination paired with your own personality. Mm-hmm. of wanting to achieve and be passionate to allow you to show up for your clients. Yes. And, um, and so, you know, what I think we'll kind of leave with is what do you think it means to be a newfangled attorney? Um, I think that um, that really comes with that healthy risk kind of idea, mm-hmm. right? Just, just try it, you know? And I think, and it, and it also goes back to that fear of failure that plagues so many of us attorneys. Like we don't want to try something new if it's not going to work out. And if you don't do that, or if you don't try like kind of the next thing or like, look at, is that like system that you're operating in even serving you anymore? Like, what mm-hmm. does that look like? That was something, you know, like I um, am really open about having, you know, quit drinking. And I was using alcohol as a crutch to help me with anxiety, masking this underlying issue that I wasn't dealing with that wasn't getting better. That was a system that did not serve me and it didn't serve my family. And it, um, I have not looked back since then. No. Ditto. Ditto. Yeah. Echo that. Echo all. Yes. So. And it's hard because it's such an intrinsic part of our um, professional culture like uh like that hustle kind of culture like you always have to be the last one you don't care or you're not a hard worker if you're not the last one there you're not being zealous if you're not the last one to leave the office (laughs) the first one there you you don't care about our profession if you're not at happy hour right yeah like how could you possibly like get where you're gonna miss out right yes yes oh my god or how do you like i I told an attorney recently that I quit drinking now over a year ago. Um, and he's like, that's the only way I can hope to fall asleep at night. <sighs> and that's, and that's real, you know, right. There's these um, kind of negative risks that mm-hmm. attorneys feel very comfortable with taking to yes. cope with the stresses of being an attorney that they would never ad- advise a client to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, you know, and it's, it's, you know, kind of how do you recreate the path and be mm-hmm. a trailblazer um, and kind of set the standard from a authentic point of view of just being Sarah? Yeah, I think it's that you have to get through that fear of the ego. Cause like when I quit drinking, like I didn't talk about it at all really mm-hmm. with like professions. I talked about it with my dad cause he's been sober a long time too. Um, his dad was an alcoholic. And so that just like, that kind of unlocks something for him. Um, and he feels really passionately about that too. Um, and he went like the A route and gets a lot from that. Um, but I didn't talk about it with people because I didn't want them to think that I wasn't competent. I didn't want them to think that I didn't have it together. And I was worried that 
they would change what they thought about me. And some probably have, but most people, um, and especially like these younger law students, like I, I'm very candid about it now because um, so many people, when I have been, have come up to me and it was and and said how much they appreciated me talking about that because I think that looking at our profession from the outside or coming to it new as a student, you're just really um, inundated with this like culture of like never show weakness and you have to be at all the things and doing all the stuff and like you have to always be on top and like don't ever look like you don't know the like there's, like there's one right way yeah like, there's, like right. There's, there's, there's like a normative standard to humanity right um, to being an attorney that we should all look and be the same way because that's what humans are and that right. and that's the people that uh need us um well sarah this has been awesome um as always so is there anything you want to say uh to send us off here about you know how you're going to continue to be sarah yeah i mean i i think that um and not you and i've talked about this before but like in order to make some of these changes in your practice or in your professional life or even in how you present in your personal life like you have to know those things about yourself like mm. you have to do the work the internal work. I had to do some of it when I was trying to figure out oh, what are my core values for my law firm? What is my mission? What's my vision? What am I trying to do with this? And it's hard to put that stuff to paper. And I'm not, like you said, I'm really practical. I don't, I'm not like a wishy-washy, like feelings kind of person, despite like my level of compassion and empathy. Um, <laughs> I, when it comes to like myself and like how I am, like, I just, I don't think about things like that. And um, when I started to, like, it just unlocked a lot of things for me. And like, I have, I started talking about one, I have, um, you know, I've gotten in the last two years, three more tattoos, and I have another one that I'm getting next week, and then another one in September. Like, so like, it and, and then I also pierced my nose, did this hair, and all of that has come just in the last couple of years when I started doing that internal work. I feel like I've always been an authentic person because I am a really bad liar too. Like I can't be fake and I cannot tell lies. Same, I'm terrible same, at it. Same. So I don't. Horrible, horrible right? it. So I just like have always yeah. had to kind of sit in this uncomfortable like like truth telling, mm. figure out how to how to do that with people. Mm. Um and but now I like I get to add, oh my God, so much more flavor to things and like try mm. new stuff and like do something like like pierce my nose on a whim and like really enjoy what what that does for me like really enjoy Life. you're living you're living yeah. yes and, and it's in almost in recognizing that we can change and every moment we are changing mm -hmm. um and at no point are we the same nor mm -hmm. should we we're not static right well sarah you bring such a just uh, dynamic viewpoint um, that I think is really beneficial. You know, I think people benefit from hearing, you know, what you do, you know, yeah. and how you do it. Um, and so I hope, uh, you know, th through this podcast and this episode and the ones to come that people can kind of see that attorneys were real people. Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah, every day we're, we're real people and our, our identities are not tethered to the fact that we are attorneys. 
Um, but that's just one part, a very important part of who we are, but it is not the only aspect. We're not flat in that way. So, um, I will now stop recording. (laughs) (laughs) I can edit that out or maybe I keep it in. Who knows?